Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation. So why don't we see miracles like they did in Jesus' time? Today, I want to explore why those type of miracles no longer occur as they did with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, it's a great question, uh, something I've often uh, pondered in my head. And so thank you, James, for the suggestion of the topic of miracles. It's a good question and one that's not often preached about. I want to start by sharing with you a parable. This parable takes place in Washington in 2021. Now, Reverend Taffel at Church of the Holy City in Washington during a Zoom call at the beginning of Lent in the spring of 2021 is asked by a member to pray for her cousin who has cancer. In a surprise to everyone, Reverend Taffel performs, uh, Reverend Taffel says, I'll not just pray for it, I'll do a miracle and have that cancer taken away. The group of 12 on the call smile and think to themselves, well, that's pretty bold. A week later, the church member reports that the cousin is completely healed and the doctors declare it is a miracle and there is no scientific explanation. Over the next weeks, more prayers and more miracles happen at Church of the Holy City. The blind see, the lame walk, and people very close to death come right back. The weekly Zoom call now maxes out at 400 people. And when Reverend Tappel tries to get to church, there's a mob of people blocking the door, asking for miracles. The more that ask, the more he performs. The name of the minister, the church, the denomination, they're all over the national news. Thousands of non-believers convert to Christianity based on what has happened. A reporter asked one convert, why did you become a Christian in all this? And they explained, seeing is believing. We've all seen this. We've all seen it with our own eyes. There's no denying it. Also, I have some miracles that I'd like to see happen in my life. Reverend Taffel goes on to sign an eight-figure contract for his own TV show where guests come on and have miracles performed live. He's famous, the church is packed, and the downward trend in people going to church begins to reverse itself. Here ends the parable of 2021. So what's wrong with the story? What's so bad about it? Isn't this what we always wanted? I know I particularly like the part where Reverend Taffel makes that huge salary. But how about the packed church and people believing in God again? Isn't that what we always want? And if so, why doesn't this happen now? Well, as we dig deeper into that parable, we have one question to ask, and that is, why do people in the story come to believe in God? The answer is because they have seen. Believing, because we have seen and been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, is not faith. Miracles such as this in the story that I told today remove a key spiritual law of the universe. It would be impossible not to believe if we had seen everything that we heard in that story. Truth, true faith can only come through freedom. We have to have the ability to say no 
And doubt, which many of us wrestle with all the time, is a critical part of faith. Without doubt, there is no faith. These miracles that transcend the laws of the universe remove doubt and remove faith. Faith involves doubt, mystery, and believing what cannot be proven. Miracles like the ones in the story remove doubt and remove faith. So Jesus in the gospel that we read today teaches uh, us that his disciples at the time, he says, a time is coming after this uh, when people will see, will believe without seeing, and he's talking about us. Um, Jesus often got frustrated doing miracles, in fact. Uh, another time he's confronted and he sort of yells at the crowd and he says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Very frustrated. Another time, uh, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, Sadducees, who are the re religious leaders, ask him to show a, a sign from heaven. And he says, uh, you wicked and adulterous generation, you demand signs, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. So there was request for him to do signs and miracles, and he didn't often do it, went on demand. There's a famous line in the rock musical, Jesus Christ Superstar, where Pontius Pilate says, dance across my swimming pool, you know, prove it, show it. And we know that during his trial, they asked for signs and wonders too, but he wouldn't do it then. So if miracles, things that come out of, break the law out of the ordinary law of, of the world and break out of that aren't appropriate now, then the question is why were they appropriate in Jesus time? Well, it's, it's, it's a pretty complicated question, I think, but I'm going to try to give a, a simple and clear answer, and we can go deeper in the discussion. But I believe Jesus did miracles for a few, few reasons. And one is that just at the surface, um, he had compassion for the people he experienced. So there's that. We also know that when Jesus came into the world, of which we're, we're preparing for during Advent, he was coming into the world at its worst moment. Uh, there was incredible evil in the world. And that meant that he needed to break through that evil. I believe he was literally shifting the spiritual trajectory of humanity by coming into the world, and he was gaining attention and sharing that good, good news about a loving relationship with God. I believe the miracles that he did gave him the platform to share that message that changed the history of the world. His motivation for doing them was pure and as were the people who were healed. Also, at a, another deeper, more maybe a more cosmic level, uh, in the teachings of our church, each of the miracles that he does corresponds with a certain evil that Jesus was uh, essentially knocking out of the, the world. Um, there's a correspondence between what happens on earth and what happens on uh, in heaven. And so each of the miracles have a deeper symbolic meaning as well. They are written at both a literal and deeper level. So what are some examples? Um, it's understood that when he's healing the lame, as an example, he's addressing the problem of people who think about good but don't do it. When he's healing the deaf, he's addressing the, the problem of humanity of people who can't hear the truth anymore. Um, when he heals the blind, he's addressing the, probably the, the problem of uh, humanity's inability to see the truth. In other words, the healings symbolize a larger healing of the world that was taking place at that unique time and place in history. 
these type of miracles continued long after the disciples, um, and they don't, then the ability for people to have true faith would not be available. Like the parable that I shared at the beginning, people would believe because they've seen and that they wanted something. They wanted a transactional relationship. And that's not the faith that God is looking for. Okay, so if miracles like the one in the gospel aren't happening anymore, does that mean that we live in a world without miracles? Well, the answer to that is no. Uh, and you'll see in the insight reading from Swedenborg this week where he describes that miracles today are hidden. Okay, what does he mean by that? He means that miracles are happening all the time and you have to have a spiritual lens to see them. If you're looking through the eyes of faith, you can see a miracle. If you're looking through the eyes of materialism, which is the dominant ethos of our culture, then you just look at it as a coincidence, a string of events that happened randomly. And there's some explanation, but there's nothing more than what we can see. If you've heard me preach over the years, you'll probably remember um, maybe one of my most dramatic stories in my life, which I would call an act of divine intervention. I would call it a miracle. Um, and uh, I've had many of them where doors are open and doors are closed. I bet as you're listening to me now, you're thinking of times in your life where you've seen things that are really modern miracles that you, how did you meet that person at the right time at the right place? How did, how were you in that situation? Um, there's strange things, the, the hand of God directing your life. These are miracles. You might explain it to other people and they might not get it. But I find as you grow wiser spiritually, you become aware to the point that you see them everywhere. Eventually you trust that when you're not sure why something is happening, that some good will occur. You're looking for the miracle. Uh, maybe the most dramatic in my life uh, was the story um, that I've shared that um, I was gonna be on uh, Bill Maher, who has a show on HBO now, had a show called Politically Incorrect in Los Angeles, political show. And after reserving my ticket and a week before I got chosen, uh, after I got chosen, um, they, they chose somebody else to replace me on the show, a Fox News host. And so my trip was canceled and uh, she went in my stead. Now that flight was, that was canceled was the flight that crashed into the Pentagon on 9-11. And I remember to this day looking at that sticky note with the flight number stuck on my office com computer screen as a reminder as I watched the news of the crash. In fact, uh, Bill Maher left an empty seat on the studio that night for the woman who went uh, and was killed in the crash. Now for me, that's a very dramatic miracle. Not because I lived, that's the wrong point because I, I don't fear death. I think death is a wonderful transition. It just meant that I've got more to do here. I better get to it. And uh, if you really can reflect on your life, you'll see hundreds of examples where something dramatic happens in your life and that you know it's a spiritual miracle. But here's the interesting thing. Um, I spent a lot of my time in the business world, the political world, very highly secular, very transactional. And if I tell those same stories to people in that world, they'll just say, wow, uh, what a coincidence. That's spooky, um, but it's random. You know, you just happen to be on that and weren't on that flight and that meeting happened and life is random. It's not a miracle, it's nothing special. 
So depending on the lens that you're looking at, you can see the miracles and pay attention to them. When you can see them, they can actually guide your life and in a very powerful way. So God has set up the world in order and he has uh, pathways that we should be moving on in our life so that we can love more. And when we're aware of the nudges that the angels are giving us, that's a miracle. As I get older, it becomes clear to me now how little I can take credit for. My breath, the air, the home, the food, the love, the daily bread. These are all miracles. How about you? Have you experienced miracles? Have you ever tried to explain it to someone who rolls their eyes or politely smiles? Our freedom to turn toward God or away from God is the most powerful spiritual law in the universe. It's our freedom. Dozens of times each day we turn toward or away. God loves us so much that we are nudged and even tricked into doing good and following our right path that he has asked us to move in. And that's the miracle of our lives. So pay attention to the hidden miracles that you're seeing in your life. Were you just asked to reach out to somebody in need? Did you do it? Did you just reach out to, uh, did someone just reach out to you? Uh, did an important message come just at the time you needed it? Pay attention. The miracles are coming. Thank them and God. Life is a miracle. And if we can see them, we can live in a state of awe. And that's the ultimate miracle. Amen. And we will discuss that topic further in our time together in discussion after the service. Look forward to your feedback. We're now going to try our communion service. So I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. Hoping you can see that. So as I said, if you have elements at home that you want to use, uh, either bread or wine or water or juice, or if not, if you want to just pray along, it's fine, it's super. But welcome to virtual communion, which is open to all. So just so you know, in, in some traditions, communion is closed, meaning you have to be in the tradition or whatever. Our, tra our tradition does not view it that way. We believe that this is the Lord's table. Anybody is welcome to it and encouraged to come. So all are welcome to participate and receive communion, which has been given to us by the Lord. We gather with prayerful hearts, remembering that our prayers are not from our mouth, but from our heart, by the mouth, and the worship is all from our heart, is from our desire to be good toward others. So I'm going to ask all of us to pray together. You can do this at home on mute. It doesn't work when we do it aloud. It just gets commingled. So uh, let us pray together. You at home, I'll pray for us aloud. Most gracious Lord, we prepare to receive this sacrament remembering that you came into the world to be our savior. May we never forget that when you came, many rejected you. If we have done this in any way, we seek forgiveness. And having received it, help us sense a renewal of your presence within our lives. May these elements remind us of our dependence upon you for all the good things. May we taste the bread in its wholeness 
and know that you seek to make our lives complete. May we taste the cup in its sweetness and feel your love within our hearts. We take part in the sacrament knowing that it is good for us to be here. Sanctify, Lord, with your divine presence and bless us with your heavenly grace, that which we are about to do. And as of old, you bless the bread and the cup which you gave to your disciples. Bless now the bread to be broken and the cup to be given in your name. Grant that we may receive them in the spirit of love and faith toward you, in peace with one another, that we may be truly fed at your table with the spiritual food of your divine body and blood. May this holy supper be a sign and a seal that we are your children. Open to us the mansions of heaven. Bring us together with you forever more. Amen. We thank you, God, for your goodness that we have this bread to eat and this wine to drink, and you have given, you have given which human hands have made. It shall become for us spiritual food. As you have given in love, so shall we receive in gratitude. Amen. A summary of the law. Hear what our Lord Jesus said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, he blessed it and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, Take and eat. This is given for you in love. Do this in remembrance of me. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We come to you, Lord, remembering that you are the bread of life, the living bread that came down from heaven, the bread which you gave for the life of the whole world. In remembrance of this, we take it into ourselves, the nourishing bread of your great love for us. Jesus said, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And when the supper had ended, our Lord took a cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he said to them, drink this, all of you, this cup, which was given for you and poured out for you, flows as freely as God's forgiveness for you. 
And so gracious Lord, we come remembering your words that you are the vine and we are the branches. By remembrance of sharing this cup, we take into ourselves the transformation of the wine and receive the forgiveness which endures through all eternity. Transform the substance of our consciousness into the wine of spiritual joy so that we may feast with you at the heavenly banquet forevermore. Amen. This time we drink the wine. Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall not thirst. As we prepare to leave this table, let us remember the words of the Lord when he said to us, abide in me and I in you, for apart from me, you cannot do good. Let us pray together. You at home, I'll pray aloud. We have been nourished at your table, O Lord, and we give you thanks and bless your name for the gifts of, kim of this communion and for the gifts of regeneration and eternal life. Amen. At this time, before I give the benediction, I did want to open it up if anybody had a prayer request that they'd like to lift up, and we'll close with the Lord's Prayer and the benediction. So are there any prayers from the people? Yeah, this is Helen. Um, a prayer for my brother who we thought was going to have to go back in the hospital. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments, as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.